Hi, and welcome to the Vote Her podcast, because when you vote, great things can happen. I'm Mara Davis, media maven, talent booker, podcast enthusiast, and getting ready for summer. I am Terry Anulowitz, and by the time you are listening to this, I will be the mother of a high school graduate. So now two-thirds of the Vote Her team are going to be the mothers of high school graduates. Oh, my gosh. You know, if you heard last week, Jen and I were commiserating and she was just so, you know, so excited about, you know, yeah, uh, Lawton Jr. going to Boston University. And your son is now officially on his way to Georgia Tech. He is. He is going to be a hell of an engineer. It's so exciting. It's very exciting. Lots to look forward to. These kids, they work so hard. They're great kids. You know, to know somebody when they're two, like I knew little Lawton and Jen knew Adam, and you just see them grow up. And special shout out, by the way, to one of my son's classmates who is a listener of the pod and a fan of the pod. And I heard about how much she likes it at oh. a ceremony this weekend. It was wonderful. It was very exciting. We're, we're reaching the youth, Mara. Isn't we're that the best? The youth. I'll tell you why. Oh, my God. You know, when you hear, you know, we are trying to post more episodes and really try to be more active in the Voter Podcast. So when you send us a note or come up to us, it really means a lot. I mean, really, like, uh, uh, we really need our egos stroked. We do. We do. <laughs> okay. That's why we're in this world. Yes. Right? <laughs> All right. We do this. Well, yes, of course. And Positive so, so we can learn what's going on. So this story I really love. The first thing I want to talk about with you, Terry, is that in Forsyth County, it looks like we had sort of a Moms for Liberty situation. And if you're not familiar with the Moms for Liberties, they're really like blowing up all over the country as far as they're trying to, uh, you know, ban books and mess with curriculum. And they're really infiltrating school boards. And in Forsyth County, they tried to do that. But the federal government intervened and basically said, um, this activism is causing a hostile environment with students. Which it is. They're right. It is causing a hostile environment for these students. I'm just amazed how far we have come with this. And by the way, I have heard for, from some people, some of the people that were the, that, that fought back on this in Forsyth County. Um, and they and, and bravo to them for basically saying, you know what, this is absolutely ridiculous. Well, because it is ridiculous. And you look at some of the books on this this list that they're talking about, like Bluest Eye, Toni Morrison. You know, some of these books, they're talking about taking out of these high school bookshelves. If your kid is taking advanced placement literature at one of these high schools in Forsyth County or at any high school in the United States, because the AP curriculum is fairly standardized throughout the country, that's the whole point. Do you or do you not want your kid to do well? If you want your kid, and I'm pretty sure that most of these Moms for Liberty up in Forsyth County, pretty sure they want their kids to go to competitive colleges and do competitive academic things. They're not going to do that if they're not taking AP classes. And you can't succeed in an AP class if you're not reading the books on the AP curriculum. So if your mama is trying to fight to prevent you, you know, and your tender sensibilities from reading about hard things... You're not going to do as well in life. So thanks, Mamas of Liberty. <laughs> well, they're doing this all over the country. And what's, really, what's was really interesting, and, and uh, it's not specific that that was that in Forsyth County, but there are a lot of different activist groups that are responsible for this. But it's the overall theme. And I, I just, 
there's a couple of points here. Number one, if you are not in touch, if you think your teenagers are really spending all that time in the library, I'm like, you are sort of out of touch with teenagers or even with middle schoolers, really. And then, yeah. and the other thing is, is that like, I just, there is no epidemic. There's no like activism in the schools to try. Like, I don't understand these people that are so wound up by people who want to use pronouns, by people who want to read a book about what it's like to be gay, who want to read a book about real history. And, and these people that are that are advocating for this censorship in schools, often people showing up at school board meetings who don't even have kids in the school system. Right, right. Because they are, like you said, these are very organized organizations. There's money coming into them, Right. Like they're 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 raising their money somehow. They're printing their matching T-shirts somehow. I think it is much more organized and runs actually a lot deeper than I think a lot of us realize. But I am glad that because we do know there are activists on the other side of these book banners who are making sure that it's being pointed out how organized these folks are, how they are not homegrown. And that's good. And I'm really grateful for that because we need to keep pointing out the hypocrisy of what they're doing. And you're right. If you are reading a book about, just imagine how boring it would be if everybody only read books that related directly to them. I mean, first of all, that's just dumb, right? Like all those people who read books about World War II history or Civil War history or the history of rock and roll in the 60s, whatever it is. Like, like you know, if I'm reading Jeff Tweedy's autobiography, like, should I not be doing that because I'm not a rock and roll man from Chicago. I don't know. But it's it's a very, it's a very narrow and easily, easily, easily refutable kind of thinking. It's just, these are people who don't want people to read about anything that isn't what they want them to read about, right? These are people who are so, they'll talk about liberty, they'll talk about freedom, but they really don't want anybody to do what they want to do. They want people to live the way that they live because I don't know if it's because, I mean, I think they are motivated by fear. I don't know if they're just motivated by fear of people living in different ways. It doesn't make any sense. They're not helping their kids. I think, I think you know, there's a couple different things. There's one, certain groups are getting too much, maybe, and they don't like that, and they're finally being acknowledged. And the other thing is just, it's it's this, you know, people have a really narrow view of what America or what family looks like. And that has evolved right. and it is changing. And right. with targeting books, it's like, it's, and we all know that they're going after the trans issues because they, they're running out of abortion issues. So it's like, okay, right. we have to do this next. But I have to, of course, call out my favorite. Kelly Leffler tweeted, Local school district in Georgia decides that sexual explicit content is inappropriate for students, and the DOE intercedes to diverse their decision. Washington is trampling, in all capital letters, local control to push their radical agenda on kids while stealing their innocence and childhood. I would argue, hi Kelly, that kids having being faced with a mass uh, shooting at school <laughs> is the most inappropriate thing. Yeah, I think that's very inappropriate. Kids being shot at school. I think kids being bullied by grownups because the kid is 
figuring out their gender and sexuality in a way that might make that grown-up uncomfortable. So they're just going to punch down at that kid. I think that's a hazard to these kids. I think it's, I think it's great that the DOI, DOE is like, no, this is creating a hostile environment for these children because it is. It totally it's, is. It totally it's, is. Yeah, it's grown-ups harassing children. And that is not okay. It's really, it's the whole thing is just so bizarre, especially because, you know, I look at it this way. It's like if they're banning a book like The Handmaid's Tale, which is, you know, of course, I read the book after watching the show. I mean, honestly, I I, I read that book in high school, man. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I was yeah. not, I never assigned that book. Oh, I wasn't assigned it. Well, it came out in 85, I think. So it was like, that's mm-hmm. probably why I missed that. And it was, it probably would have been too hard for me at 15. No, yes. no. no, I wasn't assigned it, but I, you know, this little group of proto-baby feminist friends and we were like, <laughs> oh yeah, we have to read The Handmaid's Tale. And well, but honestly, And I went to high school and middle school in suburban Houston. So, you know, not a liberal bastion. But I can tell you, every girl by eighth grade had read Flowers in the Attic. Of course. Oh, my God. The classic. I mean, (laughs) I think Terry and I have had like deep discussions. I got to ask Jen. She's probably watched um, Red Flowers in the Attic. The creepiest, most inappropriate book. I mean, it was just like child abuse incest, uh, yeah. t- torture. I mean, and we just like ate it up. I mean. Oh, yeah. We were, we were so there for it. <laughs> so there for it. I mean, and then, you know, we would be 11 years old watching Dirty Dancing at slumber parties. I had no idea there was an abortion plot line in Dirty Dancing until I was like 18 or 19. I was like, oh, oh y- y- that's yeah. what that was about? I no wonder know. baby's dad was so mad. It's yeah. it's so wild. Well, someone's reached out to me from Forsyth County School District, so we're going to be talking to some of those educators that were really advocating to keep it, for keeping these books going in the libraries. And thank, we're so thankful for those teachers who are really getting it across. And honestly, I think that most like reasonable conservative people feel the same way. If you want your kid to be, if literacy is such a problem in this state, and if our students are not being challenged um, That's right. and reading, then we've got a long way to go. You know, 100%. And I'm going to go out on a limb here. I don't think that the mama bear is a Forsyth actually a representative of most of the parents in Forsyth County. I just don't. And by the way, can I just say, I hate that term, mama bear. I've had (sighs) it with that. Had it. Yeah. Like, it's almost as bad as boy mom. Oh, that's a bad one. Boy mom or I I just, mama bear. I am so not into that. You're not a bear. Stop. Just stop it. I, I, I hate that as much as, you know. I'm a foodie. Okay. I'm a mama (laughs) bear. All right. Our next topic is, this is interesting. So we talked about this last time with with Jen, as far as Governor Kemp, and he's been up to a lot. We're going to talk about his trip to Israel in a second. But people are starting to endorse uh, Republican Congressman Rich McCormick from Swanee, endorsed Ron DeSantis this week. endorsing him. So that's really weird, right? Like, what do you make of that? It's a little soon for that. Now, is he up for re-election too? So, well, Rich McCormick is a member of Congress. He, yeah, he'll be up for re-election. He's up every two, members of Congress are up every two years, just like we are in the General Assembly. I think it's a little early, especially because 
you know, you look at the polls and I feel like DeSantis isn't polling that well in Georgia. Okay, now if you are, if you've been listening to Vote Her for a while, if you've been paying attention to the General Assembly for a couple of years, I will tell you something that I think tells you almost everything you need to know about Rich McCormick, and that is that Rich McCormick's chief of staff is former state representative Philip Singleton. And I'll just leave it at that, but if you know, you know. So that's Rich McCormick. I think it's a little premature. I don't think DeSantis is polling that well. I do not think DeSantis has the momentum. And I think it's not just because he's deeply weird. I think that just for whatever reason, Trump is just hanging on here in Georgia. And I don't know if I would be jumping on that DeSantis train just yet. It's really interesting. And then, of course, Tim Scott from the senator from uh, South Carolina announced he was running for president. What did you think? What do you make of that? There's a lot of people from South Carolina running for president. I know, right? Nikki Haley, that's too. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah. No, and that, I mean, that's honestly my first thought was they're going to, they're diluting each other. Like they're diluting the base in South Carolina because South Carolina is a very important state. South Carolina is the state that we know propelled Joe Biden in the Democratic primary into where he needs to be because of Congressman Clyburn giving him that endorsement. And I think that South Carolina might only be big enough for one Republican. I don't know which Republican that's going to be. I don't know, you know, if that'll be Scott or if that'll be Haley. But I think that that is potentially not great for South Carolina. Now, if it puts the South Carolina Republican Party into further disarray, where it already is, because we know that the Republican women in that state are not keen on what the Republican men keep trying to do with the abortion issue, that could be a fun little soap opera to watch unfold. Uh, I was reading the article about that, about one of the Republican lawmakers who is really good friends. And I don't have the article in front of me, but you'll get the gist of this and you can look it up and um, read mm-hmm. it. But they were just the way the the male Republican lawmaker was talking about the female Republican lawmaker. And what the, the article was all about how they're old friends, how they go on vacations together and that they're. But this issue, this abortion issue is dividing them. Now, and the Republican's wife, you know, he's, you know, because he's the, these are the kind of people like every baby is God's children. And right. And 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 honestly, if you believe that, that's OK. I, that's great. I, I'm fine with that. But but I, but but someone else may not think that anyway. But the way he described this female lawmaker was like, well, she is, you know, two gets in people's faces and she is aggressive and she is. So there's this whole like three sentences about how like body she is. So what basically he's doing is, I guess, kind of dog whistling about saying, you know, by saying aggressive gets in people's faces. Mm hmm. I, you know, this is probably a guy who likes Donald Trump. Yeah. He might recognize those as positive attributes in a man. Right. Because she has a vagina. Because she's a lady. (laughs) Ladies can't be body. That's right. So this is, this is like the Tim Scott thing. I mean, I, you know, it's just weird because I feel like... You know, in a normal world, he actually could be a pretty good opponent and a good person for the Republican Party because without all the MAGA stuff, uh, and again, I am not, you know, I'm not the biggest fan. There are other Republicans that I like better because I feel like he's like, especially in my view as a black man, I feel like it's just like, uh, 
really? <laughs> you know, really? Uh, I, I just have to wonder about that, Terry. Yeah. Well, and is there enough inter- internalized misogyny in the South Carolina GOP, which it sounds like from our scratching the surface dive into the South Carolina GOP, maybe maybe there is some internalized misogyny. That could be what Tim Scott needs. You know, he is the man. He's not a woman. Maybe maybe they think Nikki Haley is body too or aggressive or gets right. in people's faces. Right, right. Listen, she's uh, will always be popcorn Nikki to me. Uh, look it up, kids. Um, I, again, like I can't like, you know, I love my Republican women when they do special things. All oh, right. Yeah. I liked it when she wore her South Carolina, the Palmetto necklace, which is like on the state flag and a bunch of other Republicans were like, that's a Muslim thing she's wearing because it had a crescent moon. <gasps> they did? Oh, yeah. Look oh. it up. Google it, kids. No, that was the whole thing. They, they thought she was wearing like some Muslim signal necklace. And, and it was so like, people like, no, that's was. just the flag of South Carolina. And what if she was? But it was just the state flag of South Carolina. Uh, it's just, it's so it's so unbelievable like so but so i was really fascinated by this with rich mccormick just going out there like over a year and endorsing desantis i feel it feels very thirsty and by the way by the way shout out to niles francis because i read his little article on his great newsletter which you great newsletter you should totally subscribe to it's called peach state politics and he was the one i read his clip in it today and that's just like ugh, that's so weird he's yeah, Rich McCormick. Anyway, Philip Singleton. I'll just, that's all I'll say. Okay, if you know all right. Me. All right. Yeah. That sounds that sounds something like we need to listen up for. Okay, here's another thing that came out that's so interesting. Georgia had the highest voter turnout in the South uh, in the midterm elections. This is really fascinating. Now, a lot of the polling in this or the reporting on this is basically saying that because we had such a competitive Senate race, obviously between uh, Senator, now Senator Warnock and Herschel Walker, that certainly got a lot more interest in the in the races. Is, can, is this sustainable? I hope it is. I mean, I know that, you know, in Georgia, unlike a lot of the other states in the southern United States, we have had, it seems like, just a constant stream of elections. You know, we've had, it was like like people saying, okay, I voted for Raphael Warnock five times in the past, you know, three years. It is, I think that because there have been such, because there's been such a strong push to get out the vote for Democrats in Georgia, there's been such a strong push to get out the vote for, you know, and again, Democrats in a sustained way, you do have Republicans who are having, you know, they have very competitive primaries and they're trying to get out their own vote. I think that people in Georgia have become a little bit more conditioned over the past few years to vote, especially to vote in, to vote in the general, but also to vote in primaries, both on the, both on the Democratic and on the Republican side. And I think that voting has become a little bit more of a habit in Georgia because we have had so many high stakes elections happening so, both locally so and statewide. Many, so yeah. many, so many, so many. But the reality is also that SB 202, which passed several years ago, does make it a lot harder for people to vote in Georgia. It makes it harder for people to vote absentee, especially. It makes it harder for people to vote by mail. We know this is by design. The Republicans have said as much. And So it's interesting because you have some Republicans saying, well, yeah, Georgia has this high turnout. So all you Democrats talking about how our voting laws are so terrible and onerous, although maybe they're not saying onerous, but all these people talking about how awful our voting laws are, 
joke's on you because so many people are voting. No, I think that turnout is high in spite of these laws because also because you have lawmakers and you have organizations that are telling people, okay, it's going to be a lot harder for you to vote by mail. This is what you need to do. This is how you need to vote. As an aside, I think the Republicans are going to bite themselves in the butt with how hard they've made it to vote absentee because it's not just Democrats. Well, it's old who people. Are older. I mean, yeah, it's old people. It's, and like, we I mean, know. I mean, I mean, look, it doesn't uh, make any sense. I mean, it's it, like my mom, for example. You know, I don't. You know, she's eighty. She's eighty four, and I don't think she's uh, voted in person in probably two decades. She just right. this is just the way she does it, and you you can rely on the senior citizens voting. Um, I just. You know, I I take such issue with when people are like, see, SB202 wasn't bad. We had this great turnout. And again, I always go back to this law was created basically on uh, <laughs> almost $800 billion Dominion lawsuit. <laughs> you know? That is exactly right. I mean, and- yeah. 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 And I I do. I I think that Georgia has high turnout in spite of it because we have had so many high profile elections. Like you look at the turnout numbers, you know, Georgia's at 52, Florida, North Carolina are both 48. Those are also states that have a lot of high profile elections statewide and otherwise. So I think that it's but you look at you, you dig down into other states in the South and other states that have election laws that are just about as terrible and nasty as SB202, like Tennessee's at 31%, Mississippi 33, Alabama 37. Yeah, these laws are working to keep people at home. And so I think in Georgia, we can't lose sight of the fact that we have had higher turnout because I think that that higher turnout can in large part be attributed to the fact that we have had big, big, big nationally scrutinized elections and a lot has been at stake. Like, yeah, we have we have had people like Herschel Walker running for Senate. You know, we have had Trump saying all kinds of things about the Republican primaries and now, you know, getting people banned from Russia, which is the weirdest story. It's so weird. Story. Uh, what Terry's referring to is that there was that was announced this week that Brad Raffensperger was banned from Russia and Keisha Lance Bottoms banned mm-hmm. from Russia. That's so... It's like, okay, but here's the, the where uh, I want to tie it back to Kemp because, you know, again, Kemp is doing all of these things and people were very enthusiastic to vote for him, as we know, in, in, in this, right. in 2022. But here he is, he's going to Davos. He just did a trip to Israel and I was very touched to see him, even though I know there's probably a mixed bag uh, with him going to Israel and meeting with Netanyahu and, you know, going and doing all the things. And, you know, as if you follow politics, you know, Israel's government is very complicated right now. Very. So, and people protesting actually really works. Like there are a lot of people that that don't want to tolerate shit over there and they let their voices be heard. But I was really struck particularly by his uh, 
he went to the Holocaust Museum in Israel called Yad Vashem. And I went there when I was 16. I went to high school in Israel. It was one of the best experiences of my life. And I was oh, only wow. 16 years old. And so I want to go back so bad because I don't feel like I fully appreciated it at that age. But I do have very, very vivid memories of going to Yad Vashem. You just go there and it's the Holocaust Museum. And you really, you don't leave the same way. It is, it's kind of what you feel like when you go to the Holocaust Museum in D.C. Right, and right. By supporting a candidate or other people in this state that just easily just dance with anti-Semitic tropes uh, on the regular, it's, right. it's I have very mixed feelings about that. It's going to be very interesting to see how that conversation in particular progresses in Georgia. You know, we are midway through a two-year legislative session, there was a piece of legislation co-sponsored by State Representative Esther Panich that would have, you know, offered a definition of anti-Semitism. That legislation did not pass this session there. It actually got really messy. And 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 just, it was messy. It was, there, there were divisions amongst Democrats. There were divisions amongst some of the Republicans. You know, you had the, when it was in a House Judiciary Committee meeting and that committee meeting lasted for several hours. And at the end of it, you had Democrats and Republicans voting together, like making a motion and seconding a motion to table the measure for further discussion. It, 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 I think a lot of people expect it to be a bit of a slam dunk and things really kind of went off course and into the weeds. Now, it's good, right? That's why we have the committee process. We need to have all kinds of scrutiny on every piece of legislation that goes through the House and the Senate so we can make sure that everything has the intended effect, everything does what it's supposed to do. But this this conversation went a little bit differently. And it is fascinating. You know, you the two co-sponsors of the bill are State Representative John Carson, who is a very conservative evangelical Christian from Cobb County, and Esther Panitch, who is a very liberal. I, I, I don't want to say she's Orthodox Jewish, because I don't, I don't know oh, exactly. She's not Orthodox, I don't think. Yeah, she's not Orthodox, no. But, but, but she, but she's, she's, and she's the only Jewish lawmaker in the General Assembly right now. And they're the co-sponsors of this. And it, I imagine this conversation is going to continue. And I do, I do believe, and I am from what I've seen and what I've what I've read about about this visit. I think that Governor Kemp is very, very, very sincere in his in his feelings and what he said and what he's sort of seems like he's been going through visiting that Holocaust memorial, visiting these sites. Yeah, Netanyahu is. I feel like it's safe to say is not universally beloved by all uh, in Israel. No, 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 no. But well, I mean, and look, it's I. I don't want to sit here and get in the weeds with Israeli politics because it's so complicated. And I honestly, I think it's fair for me to say, like, look, if I don't know that much about it, I'm not going to weigh in on it. And I think that's fair for anybody to say, right? But I do feel comfortable saying that. Look, the Georgia Republican Party has definitely brushed up against a lot of anti-Semitism and some of that stuff isn't called out. And I understand also that's weird. It's like, what's the rule? What do you say? What do you do? But like, let's face it, like, you know, 
Back to Kelly Leffler was, you know, taking selfies with the guy who was like heading up the KKK, you know, claiming yeah. she did, didn't know, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, Andrew Clyde, you know, there's yep. a, there are a ton. Those are the people that I j- can just think of off the top of my head. I mean, that guy Buckhead City was like in anti-Semitic tropes like crazy. So it's oh, yeah. like, oh, yeah. So there's just so much of it. And there are people that are adjacent to the governor who have said things and like, look, when he says things like Soros backed, um, right? And I know people feel like, okay, there you can unpack that in a lot of different ways. But uh, as a Jewish person, that's how I feel about it. Now, th- this is up for debate or whatever, and that's why I'm like, look. That's great that he's there, but I hope he can apply some of what he felt that I agree it was probably genuine too. He probably had a variety of reasons for wanting to be there. But um, at some point we will talk to Esther and um, I would like to, she's been on with us before. Yes. We are friends with Esther and we will get her point of view on all of this. Yeah. No, I would love to have her recap. And I think, I think you're right. I think, and I think that a lot of Georgians might ask themselves why why is there so much drama about an anti-Semitism legisl- you know, piece of legislation in the House? And that is a that's a you know that's a good question too. I mean, it's one that merits merits that merits that discussion. But you know, we know you know Marjorie Taylor Greene. I think is the is the best example talking about the Jewish space lasers. But what's fascinating too is so much of the Republican rhetoric, so much of sort of their basic you know ABC one two three talking points are things about Soros money. They are things about globalists. They're things that I think a lot of people who might be younger or maybe newer to the movement don't even realize why those things are anti-Semitic. They don't even realize they just they're just they're just mimicking other Republicans who they're hearing speaking. And that's even more horrifying because then you've just got this mindless parroting of anti-Semitic rhetoric. And then yeah. it becomes normalized in the in Republican circles. And that's really dangerous. Well, it is normalized. And let's face yeah. it. I mean, Herschel Walker, who Governor Kemp supported, you know, had mm-hmm. a lot of anti-Semitic things to say. And you can look it up for yourself. I mean, there's been a whole lot of that. So, look, yes. maybe it is a teachable moment. Maybe it is. I mean, I, I you know, I just, I mean, I know uh, former President Trump, who has a daughter who is orthodox, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Ivanka Trump is extremely religious. But just because you're adjacent to someone who's religious doesn't mean you, you still can't be anti-Semitic, too. I mean. No, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, and you're also be like, like, I'm sure if you ask Trump, you'd be like, well, she's not Jewish like that. She's not Jewish like Soros. I don't know. But it's, yeah, when you're right. adjacent to someone, it's easier to Right, right. And to, be, and to be clear, I mean, it's just like, it's this weird thing where like you could say the, the to Soros is to uh, Democrats as in the Koch brothers are to Republicans. But it's just, we all know what they're talking about when they do that. Yep. It's, 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 it's pretty obvious. Okay, so let's get on to some, um, we're, we're going to follow that. We're going to follow the mama bears. Freaking mama bear. I'm going to get you a sticker for your car. Oh, you know, Mira, I have a machine. I can custom cut stickers. <laughs> you know, with it's, my machine. You know, it's it's like wearing a shirt that says like Lake Babe, or a hat that says Lake Hair Don't Care, <laughs> or you could just you know brush your hair. Yeah, I mean, don't even get me started with inspirational quotes and like tea towels with sayings on them. I mean, I, the like I could go in the weeds with that all day. 
Let's talk about commencement speeches because you and Jen both have graduating students and we're in graduation season. And I wanted to play this clip and then it inspired me to pull some other great commencement speeches. So take a listen to this from Boston University. The CEO of Warner Discovery was giving the commencement speech at Boston University and thought like, I mean, this guy, well, just listen. You want to be successful. You're going to have to figure out how to get along with everyone. And that includes difficult people. Some people... Some people will be looking for a fight. Okay. Now, if you haven't been following the Writers Guild of America strike, I mean, they're striking because they're not being paid. And this guy is like, some people are looking for a fight, says the guy uh, walking into a fight. That was Blair Erskine's quote. I don't want to take her joke. It was just so funny. I mean, this guy is wearing these like douchey 90s sunglasses. And I bet he probably got on his private jet to Boston thinking, this is my day. Look at me, you know. These kids are so lucky. They're about to hear what I have to say. (laughs) Lucky them. I wish I was one of them. I just have to talk to myself in the mirror to have the same experience that they're about to have. Yeah. And apparently they flew uh, planes over the graduation. So there were like, uh, there was all kinds of protests around. I wonder if he had been warned about this. I mean, because, I mean, this was just shows, it. this inspired me that the youth can save us. Oh, the youth are going to be, yeah, they're going to be fine. It's not the youth going to the school board meeting saying, oh my gosh, that book about the gay kid made me really uncomfortable. It's not the youth saying that, it's the grownups. The yes. youth are fine. Okay, so take a listen to this one. To all the incredible parents, family members, mentors, teachers, allies, friends, and loved ones here today who have supported these students in their pursuit of educational enrichment, let me say to you now, welcome to New York. It's been waiting for you. You knew who that was, right? Was that AOC? No! Wait, who was that? (laughs) That was New York University, class of 22, Taylor Swift. She was made (gasps) a doctor (sighs) that year. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm a dummy. She actually was my second guest, though. She was my second guest. (laughs) Okay. um, Let's listen to our next one, who happens to be a friend of mine, and I'm going to wear her sorority colors for the rest of my life. (laughs) My advice to you is to be true to yourself. Hold close the values that your grandparents, your parents, your pastors, and your neighbors instilled in you. Have the courage and conviction to follow your moral compass. Pretty good, right? Really good. And that's, of course, our bestie. Vice President Kamala Harris. Yes. So she was at uh, Tennessee State University, which is an HBCU. And Mm -hmm. um, that was from last year. I thought that was a really good one. This was an interesting one that I found from 2014. See if you can guess who this is. Congratulations. 
Yes. Give yourself a round of applause, please. Thanks. You are the vanguard of knowledge and consciousness, a new wave in a vast ocean of possibilities. On the other side of that door, there's a world starving for new ideas, new leadership. I've been out there for 30 years. She's a wildcat. <laughs> oh, she'll rub up against your leg and purr until you pick her up and start petting her, and then out of nowhere, she'll swat you in the face. <laughs> It can be rough out there, but that's okay, because there's soft-serve ice cream <laughs> with sprinkles. I guess that's what I'm really trying to say here today. Sometimes it's okay to eat your feelings. Do you have any guesses? Is that Jim Carrey? Yes! Very oh my good. God, I guessed it! <laughs> so, for a hot second, I thought maybe... It was Ted Cruz. I was like, Mara's not going to play Ted Cruz. And Ted Cruz isn't going to talk about being a wildcat in public. He's going to save that for his secret Twitter feed. Oh, well, that's for his real life, of course. He's a wildcat. That right. was for Mahanshi University of Management. That was a school I had never heard of. And I didn't even never realize that Jim Carrey gave a commencement speech. And the whole thing was absolutely amazing. Okay, I think you're going to like this next one. This is also from last year at the University of Michigan. Let's see if you can guess who it is. Okay, this is fun. You are not here to do a repeat of your parents' lives or other famous Michigan grads. You are here to live your wildly authentic lives. And it's your authenticity, your determination, your creativity, and your imagination that our society needs most at this very moment. You are the generation that gets to reimagine how we will work, how we will live, and how and who we will love. You get to rebuild our institutions. You get, thank God, to reimagine and rethink our politics. And you get to redefine what success actually looks like and what it means. You get to show the world and each other how to live lives of meaning, belonging, and purpose. So how do you do all this? By really getting to know yourself, by making trusting yourself your top priority. Now that you have a degree in business or psychology or the arts, get a master's in you. Commit to being a lifelong learner of you. Because as this world shifts, and it will, so will you. I love that one. That's a really good one. Okay, so it's Michigan. Yep. Is it Big Gretch? It's not. Is it Debbie Stabenow? Nope. Ah, who is it? Okay, I'm out. Yeah. That was Maria Shriver. <gasps> she went to Michigan? I don't know if she went to Michigan. Oh, I don't know. But she... No, I guess she was speaking like that. That was really good. I loved what I she had to say. I saw her in Hawaii. Yeah, we stayed at the same resort once when she was... Yeah. Oh, did you talk to her? No, no, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I just would like wave, I like walk by their table because we're gonna be like, oh hi. No, I, I, I thought like her whole speech was really, really brilliant. I mean, again, I sort of came up with this idea at the last minute, so I didn't listen to all of them. But um, the, I, I thought what she said right there was so 
uh, important that you have to get a master's in you. I think that is yeah. like that. I really, really love that. Um, okay, I have one more. This one's from 2011, but I think it's the the whole speech was pretty epic. Let's see if you've got this one figured out. Okay. So be rewarding because the chances you take, the people you meet, the people you love, the faith that you have, that's what's going to define you. So members of the class of 2011, this is your mission. When you leave the friendly confines of Philly, never be discouraged, never hold back, give everything you got. And when you fall throughout life and maybe even tonight after a few mini glasses of champagne, remember this, fall forward. Congratulations. I love you. God bless you. I respect you. That's good. Fall forward, right? Fall forward. Okay. I think that's Denzel Washington. Yeah, it is correct. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> His voice. No, that's really good. Yeah. That's, that's a, a good really one. good speech. There were so many great ones. I mean, there was like a Steve Jobs one, and he was like, you know, was when he was diagnosed with cancer. Of course, Oprah's right. had a bunch of great ones. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, there were just a ton of them to choose from. So I picked all those out. So I hope you enjoyed this uh, segment of mystery audio. What is, how many, you got most of them right. So good. Good job. I did. I did pretty well. Yeah. No, Oprah actually gave the commencement address at Agnes Scott several years ago. <gasps> right. Who was, who was your commencement speaker? At mine? It mm-hmm. will. I went to Curry College. And so, like, we didn't get, like, the top talent there. And it was the CEO of Sweetheart uh, Paper and, like, Sweetheart okay. Brands. Um, and it was not, like, Denzel Washington or Maria Shriver no. We didn't Oprah. have, I mean, my class at Agnes Scott didn't have Oprah. We, well, although we did have a good one. We had Andrea Mitchell. Oh, that's great. Oh, she's amazing. I mean, that'd be amazing. She, oh, yeah. yeah. No, it was great. It was great. And then my husband, he graduated William and Mary in 93, and they were supposed to have Bill Clinton, and something happened. So they had a different bill. They had Bill Cosby. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, Bill Cosby yeah. did a lot of commencement speeches. You know, he did a lot. I mean, ugh, oh yeah, don't even. And ninety three would have been, you know, peak of his powers. I mean, don't oh, even man. get me started. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just a, uh, uh, we got a couple of housekeeping notes here. Um, uh, w- by the way, thank you everybody who for leaving your comments on the Apple uh, on the Apple like podcast feed because we re- could really but we only got one comment this week which is really upsetting and it's from KL Sprout and KL Sprout writes thanks for the shout out Terry and that's it <laughs> that's her okay own. you're welcome <laughs> That was that was her only comment. So thank you for Kale Sprout for that. I'm really I'm, I'm relying on some more there. Wait, are you saying KL Sprout or Kale Sprout? It says KL Sprout, not Kale Sprout. No, no, no. KL. Okay. Okay. All right. I, I mean, there we go. Uh, what is a kale sprout? We would have to ask Kim Severson about that. If like big kale is coming up with something <laughs> interesting, right? Well, we had, I mean, last week there was, was it Marsh, not Marsh Hen? Uh, Marsh, Marsh Tart. 
Marsh Tart. Marsh Tart. We had Marsh, Marsh Tart. Tart. We had two really good comments. Um, yeah. But, but we only had up one. On the comments. And we only had one. Thanks for the shout out, Terry. That's it. Um, okay. Some housekeeping notes. Um, Jen and Terry are both, you're taking epic overseas vacations. Yes, because of the aforementioned high school graduates. That's right. So you guys are doing that. Um, I'm going on a college tour, actually. So it's funny hearing all this college stuff because, you know, I have a a, a rising senior. Um, So what are we raving about this week? Is there something you want to rave about this week? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I've got a couple things. One is I'm loving the podcast, Normal Gossip. They just finished up their second season. I will go down a rabbit hole, be it uh, an Instagram (laughs) rabbit hole, a public records rabbit hole. Oh, yeah. In fact, sometimes on Normal Gossip, they'll talk about how, like, someone's running out. Like, there was one and somebody had a house they're running and they didn't know if the person on the other side of the duplex was a renter, if he was their landlord. I'm like, public record search, you <laughs> dummies. You can find all this out so easily. So I love a rabbit hole. Normal gossip scratches that itch. And I'm also loving, speaking in the college, com- the high school commencement theme, Mary Laura Philpot, who is a writer. She used to be in Atlanta. Uh, she's in Nashville now. She wrote a column and she has two great books. Bomb Shelter is the newer one. I Miss You When I Blink is another excellent one. If you have a kid and are entering that sort of next phase of life, highly recommend both of those, especially Bomb Shelter. But she has a column in the New York, I'm sorry, in the Washington Post about basically how if you're a parent with a child leaving, uh, whether or not you might still have a child at home, you need to plan now for sort of how you're going to address the lonely, empty part of your heart. Oh, my <laughs> your gosh. Your child leaves oh my you gosh. and goes away to college. That's great, good. great, great column. A friend of mine sent it to her husband. He was like, fine, I'll make clay turtles with you, which makes sense when you read the column. Okay, okay, I'll check that out um, next year when I'm dealing with that. Yes. Um, okay, so I'm raving about the first thing, the Terra Movie Theater, which is reopening. Yes. It was uh, sold by Regal, and now the folks at the Atlanta Film Festival, people behind Plaza Theater, um, they've crowdsourced, and even the Blank Foundation has got involved. So the, the, the Terra Theater on Cheshire Bridge Road is going to be reopening, and they're showing Star Wars, which is just so cool. And then the film, I Hurt Your Feelings, with Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Michaela Watkins. I actually saw an advanced screening of it. I think it's terrific. Uh, it's just really ex- that I've seen so many great movies at that theater. And I just love the idea of, I understand that we can all stream great content. Of course, I'll still do that. But I like the idea of events where you have like either an actor or a, a, a filmmaker or anything that you can do and you're experiencing that movie Again, I've been going through a phase of rewatching stuff. Like, oh yeah, I rewatched Sex in the City, and now I rewatch Girls. Now I'm on Girls, and I'm going to do Insecure after that. And like, so, so. Uh, but anyway, that's a sidebar. But so, give it up for the Regal and um, the on TV. My rave of the week is because you know I love evangelical corruption. The oh, yes. Hillsong documentary on oh. Hulu. Okay, Hillsong, they did like, Catholics don't don't know as much about this kind of thing, but I think Hillsong, it's like a media thing, right? Like an evangelical media? You, a few weeks ago, talked about the praise band. This is like the praise yes. band headquarters. This is like... This mega, is the label for the... <laughs> it's mega church that started in Australia, and then it came to New York City, and there's this guy named Carl Lentz, who was like the rock and roll pastor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. of course... Oh. 
you know, yeah. he wasn't who we thought he was because duh. And he baptized Shocker. Justin baptized Justin Bieber and all of that stuff. And this is the first documentary where he's actually like talk coming clean. And so it's amazing on so many levels. I could literally talk about it all day long. So I would recommend watching that. Those are those are the things I'm raving about this week. So there you go. All right. I will I will hunker down with that this weekend. When, yeah, download it for the plane. After all the graduation. <laughs> yes. Okay. okay. All, right, all right. So housekeeping meeting. So we are on uh, so for the next few weeks, we were, are going to be off. When the ladies get back, we're going to start up again. But don't be surprised if I drop in a bonus episode here and there yes. with a guest host or an interview, um, just because we're so excited to keep the feed going. And our lovely, lovely producer, Christina Laringer, has agreed to um, uh, keep it up for us as well. Because she's the best. She is. All right. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Listen, tell your friends. Leave us a comment. Leave us a complaint. Like, even if you're mad at us, like, we let, like, let's, listen, Terry, oh, yeah. Terry loves that. We can take it. I'll tell you, you catch more <laughs> flies with honey. <laughs> All right. We will talk to you next time. Thanks so much for listening. 